Hi there and welcome back to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello and welcome to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Round one is one and done. 2022 2.0, 2.0 is underway. I knew that was going to trip me up and I'm sure it will for the rest of the season, but it is underway. The season has started and it has been an absolute joy. Round one was hard hitting. It was historic. It was entirely enthralling and we cannot wait to have a chat about all of it before we crack into today's chat though we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today the Bunurong and Wurundjeri people and pay our respects to their elders past and present for this round one episode it is me Marissa Lordanik ESPN's AFLW expert Sarah Burt and making her return to the footy pod Anna Harrington so what a delight to have you both here ready to chat some footy. So let's crack straight into it. Do a quick rundown of all of the results because people like to know the numbers and who won and who lost. So our season started with Collingwood defeating Carlton by 18 points. Melbourne got the Chockeys over Adelaide in the grand final rematch. They won by 18 North were big winners over the Suns. They won by 26. Uh, West Coast poo-pooed Port's uh, debut party. They won by two straight kicks. St Kilda defeated the Swans by 29 points. Essendon beat Hawthorne by 26. The Dogs beat the Giants in a fiery one by seven points. The Lions were the biggest winners of the round. They won by 49 over Frio. And Geelong beat Richmond in our final game of the round by four points. Like I said, it was a huge round we were talking a little bit pre-record about how with nine games now it was like the biggest selection headache you've ever had about which games to watch which ones to work into your weekend because sometimes you just didn't have enough eyeballs to get around all of them but one game that I know we all watched was the Essendon Hawthorne clash at Docklands we were all there in various capacities so let's start there because it seems like a pretty good place to start Sarah you were working the game First thoughts on these two teams, this historic game, and just how good, great an atmosphere it was down at Docklands. The atmosphere was amazing. It was really, um, really fantastic. As you said, I was working and I was a bit jealous of um, everyone that could just sit. Jealous of you sitting there in the... um, in the stands, eating hot chips and and soaking it up, but it was really every everyone there really wanted to be there. Obviously, it got moved to Marvel um, for a reason, um, and it was a really good turnout. I think they ended up with twelve thousand people, so um, it was obvious that the AFL were really keen to make a spectacle of it, even just from um, the team entrances. And it was it was much closer than I thought it would be actually after what we briefly seen from the Hawks I, I thought it might actually be um, a bit of a run over but um, it wasn't quite and I thought they actually both played probably better than I anticipated um, but yeah even chatting um, even heading into the Hawks rooms after the game it was they were just so excited like you would not know that they'd lost um, it was just um, such a great vibe so yeah it was it was fantastic. It was interesting wasn't it I thought Essen could have wrapped it up in about the third quarter. I think it's Dario Bannister was running into the open goal and had that one gone through, I think that would have not quite been lights out because Hawthorne were playing very well and obviously from there took the lead for a bit. But I thought Essen looked the better team and I think it sort of showed through maybe Hawthorne taking the lead, but I think it was a point, just made them angry because they really kicked on. Like it was a, a super impressive fourth quarter. I um, 
it's, it's going to be interesting, I think, when both these teams play non-expansion teams because then you actually get a real idea of where they, they sit in the scheme of things. I know Essendon are, are playing Carlton next. But, yeah, there was, there was plenty of like, wasn't there? I think what would have been particularly exciting for Essendon is the the big guns that they they brought over fired, right? Like Matty Prasparkas had barely trained for two weeks um, after a corky. Um, she is the uh, the biggest name in that Essendon team by a fair way and she delivered um 26 touches heaps of clearances and uh just dominated through the midfield but I really loved the way Bonnie Tugard played I thought she just led the way that you want a key forward to she was taking big marks kicking key goals had a presence about her and we know she had such a good season at the Bulldogs last year and it's no surprise really to I guess to see her kick on but and obviously, Tilly Lucas Rob was very good for Hawthorne as well. So there's a few names that we knew could could play really, really stood up. And um, I think you'd be pretty wrapped if you were either of those teams seeing that. But yeah, for me, Essendon just obviously it showed with it with the final result. But they just look that that little bit more complete, I guess, than Hawthorne at this stage. And I think that's going to be the interesting. <clears throat> that's going to be the interesting thing, as you said, how these teams then come up against the non-expansion sides, because we saw with. Port and the Swans, neither of them were able to get wins against more established clubs. And there seemed to be a little bit of a a theme amongst their losses as well of just that fourth quarter fade out. So whether that becomes a kind of recurring thing for the expansion sides, particularly against non-expansion teams, we will wait and see. Obviously, it was such a big historic game, the 12,000 strong crowd awesome atmosphere, lots of history made. Jess Wushner scored the first ever goal for Essendon and then Sophie Locke scoring for the Hawks. It just, it was the real Hollywood script. You wanted that moment to happen. I'm pretty sure you interviewed her, Sarah. What what was she saying? What were her kind of thoughts and feelings after that? Yeah, I did. Um, she is just a genuinely good egg outside of everything that she's been going through. But, um, yeah, having lost her mum only a fortnight ago um, and then there was an emotional video on the Hawks' social media of um, Bette Goddard telling her she'd be debuting and and her dad and sister getting around her. So, um, obviously, a really tough time for the family. But um, she got that first ever goal for Hawks AFLW, which will go down in history, but also just such an amazing, and she played really well in general anyway, I thought. Um, but, um, yeah, to see her kissing that black armband and then pointing up to the sky, it was it was so beautiful. And to hear her speaking after the game and um, saying she knew her mum was watching and having a beer with her pops up there watching was um, was so lovely. And I think it was really the story. It was story of the round for me um, because it was just, it just meant so, so much to her. And even just to be at Marvel, like she just could not believe that there was 12,000 people there watching her kick a goal. So, um, yeah, it was it was magic. I can't imagine many of these players have played in front of crowds like that. And one of the other crowds, actually, I'm segueing with crowds now, was really impressed with the crowd at North Sydney. About 8,000 people rocked up to see the Swans' debut game. Unfortunately, it wasn't a win for the team in red and white, but the Saints, you know, a really important win for them considering how uh, bad they were last season for lack of kind of subtlety there. But it was a really interesting game. Like I alluded to a little bit earlier, I feel like it was a pretty even contest, but then the Saints were just able to kind of kick away. Kate Sheilor was absolutely phenomenal. 
Anna, some thoughts and feelings on the Swans' debut or even the Saints and what seems to be a very good start to their season? I mean, Marissa, just because we have a low expectation of Sydney turning out to sporting events doesn't mean we need to clap them too much. But it was a, it did look like a great crowd um, out at Sydney, which is what you want. Um, as you say, unfortunately, it didn't go their way. It's, it does feel like, as a general rule, if you're an expansion team, you do have that bit of a leg up. And for St Kilda, a couple of key difference makers, obviously. One was, as you said, Kate Shearlaw just provided such a presence up forward. Um, I don't think we've seen a pull it together like in terms of a full game that many times has always been so consistent and such a leader, but just in terms of a really dominant key forward performance, that that's the sort of performance um, that, you know, wins games. And I mean, we know they missed Georgia Petruchios last season. Like <laughs> you, you watched them last season and it was, you know, they were just a class sort of below midfield wise, despite Tilly Lucas Rod's best efforts. And she was quite a big loss for them, I thought, coming into this season. So just having that extra bit of class and experience, I think, paved the way a little bit. Um, but it wasn't, I don't think they really let themselves down the Swans. I think you mentioned they sort of faded out a little bit. St Kilda came home stronger. But yeah, I think this, the Saints probably needed to prove a point a little bit more than the Swans did coming into this, as much as, you know, it's exciting for the expansion teams. And they want to start their, their AFLW journeys with a win. St Kilda, I think, had a lot to prove after a really, really disappointing season last year where they really struggled to, to win it. They even made, they were so close to even losing that match against Gold Coast last year, um, the, the Sarah Perkins couple of goals gone begging game that I think they needed to come out and maybe make a bit of a statement and in a way win first up against a team that's got a big crowd behind them, albeit as an expansion new team. It is an important start and it's something they can probably use as a, a bit of a foothold into the rest of the year. Sarah, any of the, the Saints or Swans really impress you in this one? Yeah, I think the Saints, um, I agree with Anna, I think the Saints are they're looking good and I mean it, it's and I was saying this off line off air before we started recording um about the blues because I was frustrated by their loss because I felt like it made it look like they've always relied really heavily on Maddie Prisparkis and I felt I I think that the Saints sort of escaped that a little bit um in sort of avenging those who they have lost, like Tilly Lucas Rod. Um, so I think um, obviously um, having Georgia Patrikios back, um, really exciting for them. But um, I don't think it was a one man show. And I think that that's really important. Um, that's a really important thing, particularly in round one, um, when you're getting eyeballs on the sport that you, you may not normally get. I think to show the depth, having that depth in the side. Um, is really important and I definitely think that they're looking like they've got that more um, this season so I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing um, where the Saints go Sydney um, yeah I mean I think it's going to take a few games for all of the expansion sides to to find their feet and and um, have a proper goal but I think so I don't think we can be too critical um, but again there's there's players who have experience so um, you know, they, they've got to come in and, and really make their mark. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of rounds. I think one of the really pleasing aspects about particularly the games of the expansion sides against the non-expansion sides was that none of them were blowouts, which is always, I suppose, a fear that you have. So like you said, the Swans by no means, you know, did themselves a disgrace similarly with Hawthorne and Essendon. It was a really entertaining game and Port Adelaide absolutely fall into that category as well, even though they did lose to West Coast. 
I'm going to mention it again, the fourth quarter fade out. Lauren Arnell literally said, you know, they lost the contested possession in that last quarter. They gave away nine free kicks. They were turning over the ball constantly. So just that lack of of four-quarter footy really did hurt them because they were looking the goods up until that point. Harrow, how did you see it? I mean, they were, and then Ashley McCarthy did the thing, right? She, like, they're trailing by 11. She takes on two different um, Port Adelaide defenders, sells the dummy, kicks a goal, and it sparks a run of, I think it's four straight goals, and they end up winning by 12. You have moments like that and performances like that can just be enough. And a team, West Coast, um, probably even more so than St Kilda, really needed to start this season on a positive note just to sort of get things rolling. And McCarthy... A goal, obviously that goal, 18 touches, eight tackles, six clearances, and kept Aaron Phillips to 10 touches. So, albeit with a, a corky. So, a match-winning performance. That's the sort of thing West Coast needed. They needed a bit of spark, a bit of change, and that's provided that. Um, McCarthy's provided that. But I like your point, Marissa, and about the lack of blowouts. And I think it's some smart scheduling, whereas a couple of years ago when we saw uh, Richmond play Carlton in the season opener and get all but blown out of the water, it just dims your excitement to watch these teams right so the best thing you can have is either them playing each other or playing teams that maybe struggled a bit last year or you know just weren't your melbournes and adelaides and brisbane's that i mean brisbane just did an absolute number on freo who aren't who are a pretty good team so you know yeah and obviously melbourne with adelaide as well so i think it's fortuitous it keeps things exciting because you you don't want to see blowouts you don't want to see the full stop, but especially early in the season. So it'll be interesting to see how things go as maybe those expansion teams find their rhythm to see if they can maintain that competitiveness. Um, and you know that there's obviously high expectations at an Essendon, for example, but it will be really interesting to see how they go once they get into these more hardened teams. Sarah, neither you or I rated West Coast particularly highly in our preview pod. Were you surprised by what they dished up? Yeah, I was. And I can't um, profess to be a West Coast expert at all. Um, But I think that a lot of us, well, I won't speak for you. I think that I, um, and having just said, let's not pin a whole team's hopes on one player. um, I think having Aaron Phillips, I was like, yeah, like Port, they'll be fine. Like, seriously, they've, they've got the best player in the competition. They've got, she's skipper, they've got that experience and they'll be fine. Um, And that's probably as much as I'd sort of thought about it, admittedly. Um, But I was, yeah, I was really impressed. As Anna said, um, obviously Erin was kept 10 touches, which was really impressive. Um, But, yeah, I I mean, obviously um, Emma Swanson and Ashley McCarthy, like they were fantastic. Um, And I just, I think maybe we do need to give them a bit more credit um and maybe they're a team to watch because um again like with this season I don't think we're going to see the same top four teams that we do you know year in year out I think there's going to be a mix up and I I reckon we've already seen that in round one and um maybe those teams that have remained sort of relatively untouched in comparison to others might be able to keep that structure and and be able to um see some success so um yeah no I think we probably need to give them a little bit more credit I love your optimism there Sarah because in my head I'm just like it's gonna be Melbourne and Brisbane and if Adelaide can work out how to win big games without Aaron Phillips they'll be in there too because you can never discount them come finals time but my head is just like 
Melbourne, Brisbane, especially looking at what they did to good teams on the weekend. Like Melbourne obviously had a point to prove, right? You see it so often in grand final replays. But I think it's the the mix up of players like Karen Paxman is always very good, Kate Hall always very good, but seeing Eliza West come through and really impress and really take it up to Adelaide is, is something that I think is quite exciting for them, um, having that second layer of players, because we know the big names that have been able to do it, you know, year in, year out. They're going to have an extra level level of hunger, obviously, after the, the grand final defeat. And yeah, Brisbane as well, obviously, after losing the prelim, winning a couple of years ago, they just seem like the two teams that have got the class. They've not been, and especially in Brisbane's case, they'll be wrapped. They've not been too affected by expansion. They've not lost key players to it. I just feel like they're the, the ones to beat and it's going to take some serious efforts from other teams to convince me otherwise. Albeit with like a lot of time to go. They've got a lot of time to convince me. But like they just seem at this stage just so well drilled. And we're obviously so close to the most recent season that they've not lost much. Well, not too many of the teams, obviously, have lost much in the way of touch. So I just feel like they are going to be just so difficult to beat. Yeah, I'm pumped about Brizzy. I'm glad that I um, went out and openly told everyone that I think they're going to win the granny. <laughs> I was fist pumping watching that game. <laughs> As I said, we might as well talk about those two teams and those two games then because obviously they were some pretty big results. We said Melbourne exacted revenge in the grand final replay. For me, this game was exactly how I expected it, where Melbourne looked good, looked like they had kind of maybe gone up that notch that they need to to really be in kind of flag contention. And Adelaide, by no means bad, but had lost that notch or dropped that notch, which means they aren't as like heavily favoured in my head. Do you guys agree with that? Is that how you saw this game? Yeah, I think we, a lot of us did expect that um, that, that would be the outcome. I mean, uh, personally, I think, um, as Anna just said before, Melbourne uh definitely up there for finals contention. Um, They've still got their star players and they've got so much depth. Um, But again, like so do Adelaide. So um, I think Adelaide, I mean, Ash Woodland just picked up where she left off. Um, She's clearly just kept up her fitness throughout the um, off season and just, continued um where she ended so leading goal kick has already got three goals so that's a really good uh sign but I think um and like with a lot of the teams that um are not expansion sides that have played before I think we're going to see as Anna said before that um that new layer and both of these teams have always had a heap of depth but I think it's really exciting these two teams they don't seem to have as much um, disparity between the brand new recruits and the really experienced players. It's more of that middle level. Um, mm. They've got succession plans in place and, and and that's where they're going to succeed because I think for some of the um, expansion sides or the younger teams um, or the less successful teams, they, it's them really heavily relying on one or two players and if they have an off day, well, then that's that's game over. Yeah, I agree. I think we saw it. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to be a contender by any means. Um, I was working at the Bulldogs GWS game and all the focus, I think, leading into the Bulldogs season was, I mean, they've lost uh, Izzy Huntington, who we know had the injuries, but they also lost Bonnie Tugut, who was their leading goal kicker. And it's like, well, where are the goals going to come from? And against the Giants, it's 
um, Gabby Newton, who'd been sidelined last season with back-to-back shoulder recos, and Celine Moody, who Nathan Burke said maybe a year ago, you'd have said to her, I'll play you forward. And she'd say, please don't put me forward because then I might mark it and then I might miss. Um, whereas now she actually welcomes going forward. And they were the two game breakers in the second and third quarters, really, for the Bulldogs. And it's when you see players like that that are maybe young and talented and have that potential and stick around, crucially, as you say, Sarah, that it's where the improvement comes from for so many of these teams. And it's just magnified in teams like Melbourne and Adelaide and Brisbane where they've got so much quality and they can just call upon that next level. And those players just get better by playing with, you know, your Karen Paxmans and um, your Kate Hawes or at Adelaide, if you're trying to fill the gap left by an Aaron Phillips and you've, you know, you've got players like Anne Hatchard and Ebony Marinoff or Chelsea Randall down back range. Like there's so much quality and these players learn and they, you know, they lift and at the same time, the good coaches just get them to, you know, go to the old cliche and play a role and do their job. And they gradually build from being players that can just do a job and do it well to a player that can do so much more. And that's what that advantage those really good teams that have stability. And that's something I guess Melbourne in particular have been very good at capitalizing on is relative stability. It's what holds them in good stead. So yeah, it's uh it's difficult, but it, it has been exciting. I think it's what we're going to see more and more of, especially, you know, as we know the the talent has been spread a little bit more throughout a bigger competition, obviously, is see some of these other players step up a bit because they're going to have to. So hopefully, yeah, some some fresh faces come sort of all Australian honours and club best and fairest and those sorts of things at the end of the season. It, it should be pretty exciting. I think in the Melbourne D's game, it, uh, I was sitting there watching thinking this it's something – that makes a really successful AFLW team, I firmly believe is defence because um, Marissa and I were discussing it before we jumped on here that we saw a lot of inaccuracy, particularly across this round, like the Tigers, <laughs> every Carlton, everyone, there was a lot of inaccuracy. Um, and some of the games were really low scoring. And we know that we see that time and time again in AFLW. But if that's going to be the case, then maybe defence is where people really need to be to be putting in their stock. So um, these two teams, we know that their defence is indomitable from both of them. And so I think the fact that they've got really strong defence and that they're both building up their midfield, I mean, Adelaide's midfield is just insane, but, I mean, so, so is Melbourne. So um, I think... I my prediction is that the winner of the premiership this year will be a team that has put huge emphasis on getting their defense right this year. We saw it too, didn't we? Adelaide consistently with Chelsea Randall leading a really, really strong defense. You, you can't go too far wrong. We've seen Kate Lutkins at Brisbane lead a really strong defense. Marissa's poster has not made a great defense there. It's it's gone. It's over. Uh, it's it, I think it's consistently, you know, the defence wins premierships thing, right, Sarah? So I think that's going to get truer and truer as AFLW develops and you see more miserly approaches and you see just really, you know, there's just some really talented key defenders coming through as well. So, yeah, as much as we love seeing a good attacking team, sometimes it's that defence and we saw it with Adelaide with their full ground press as well that can really, really bring teams undone. 
I know we've just been hyping up defences, but let's talk about the Brisbane Lions who whacked on 76 points and who were absolutely shooting for fun, multiple, multiple goal kickers. Terrible phrasing, but you know what I mean. All or O'Dwyer, fantastic. That forward line is just so unbelievably lethal at the moment and they are looking really, really, really good. I think we... You guys have kind of mentioned that it really is kind of Melbourne, Brisbane, maybe Adelaide in terms of the flag favourites. How do we look at Freo? We know that they've lost a lot of players to injury, to expansion and stuff, but did we maybe see this drop-off being so swift or is it a a one-time kind of thing because Brisbane were just so good? I think I tipped Freo to drop off last year. <laughs> they uh, didn't. Um, so, yeah, late maybe. Brisbane, just sensational, right? They're just ruthless. Um, we know that Freo have players like Miller and Bowers in particular, but they're missing Ebony Antonio, who's such a presence for them, and Cara Antonio as well, obviously. But uh, I think Ebony Antonio was huge for them last year. Just gives them that bit of um, attitude and quality and aggression up up forward and can take marks around the ground, just such a quality player and such a leader. Um, but I think it's more just Brisbane are such a well-drilled unit. Uh, they've been playing a very similar way for a long time. Same coach who they love playing for. Emily Bates is a star. So is Ali Anderson, though she flies under the radar. A little bit more, you mentioned um, Oliver O'Dwyer as well, but they just have quality. And whenever Courtney Hodder gets the ball, she makes things happen as well. And those sorts of players just mean that you're always on edge um, because she gets the ball and she can just create goals or she can, you know, pick out that sort of sublime pass that you need. So they are just so well, like they are, as I said, a well-drilled machine, just with, but with those hints of quality and class and spark that just make them really fearsome to play against. And obviously they're playing at home as well, which, which always helps. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's just a matter of a really good team that's managing to get some continuity these last couple of years for the first time in a, in a long time, to be honest, these last three years, not been hit by expansion, got a point to prove after a prelim final heartbreak. And yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see them maintain this sort of form for most, if not all of the season. Yeah. I think it was probably just a perfect storm for Frio. Um, as I just went on a big rant about, I think defence is is where we're going to see the premiership one, and um and they've lost some of their best defenders. So um I guess when you pair that with um the attack that we see from Brizzy, I don't think it was ever really going to go that well. And Oliver O'Dwyer. I think probably flies under the radar a little bit too. Um, and Emily Bates, again, picked up where she's left off um, after winning Best and Ferris last year. So um, I just think Brizzy, I still think they're going to win the Premiership. I still think that they, um, but they their depth is just insane because their attacking line is second to none, I think. Um, and when you pair that with the key players that Ada just mentioned that, that Freo are missing, then I just I just think they probably stood no chance. <laughs> it certainly feels that way. But like I said, there is that context of the injury list that is a mile long and has unfortunately only gotten bigger for them. But while we're on the topic of injuries, while it hasn't been as bad as round one last season, we've still had to unfortunately talk about knee injuries we're very lucky uh the Swans have confirmed that it is not an ACL for number one draft pick Montana Ham so that is good news but we don't know the full extent of that injury so 
hoping for something minimal as we always are for all injuries. The other two we need to keep an eye on are Lion Lily Postlethwaite, who just has had the worst run with injury. It was her comeback game over 500 days between drinks for her and it looks like she's done something again. So we're really hoping that it's nothing too serious for her. And Kelly Gibson as well over at West Coast kicked a great goal, was given it big in the celebrations and then crumpled down in the very next uh, passage of play. So hopefully we don't have any information on those two yet as to the extent of those injuries, but fingers crossed they're nothing too serious. One more thing I just quickly wanted to touch on. It's obviously been huge milestone round for so many clubs, so many players, so many deputants, but we also had a whole raft of 50 gamers and I tweeted this, the the AFLW is not set up for longevity. It is not set up for people to rack up lots and lots and lots of games. So the fact that so many of these players have racked up their 50 game milestone is absolutely unbelievable. And a lot of them had really fantastic games. So I'm not going to list all of them because there was literally about 10 or something, but congrats to all of those players. And we can't wait to see more 50 gamers, eventually some hundred gamers and for, you know, these girls to have genuine footy careers. But let's quickly look ahead to round two. What games are we looking forward to, friends? Because I feel like there's a big one that everyone's probably looking at. It's certainly on the biggest stage, but Sarah, what are you looking forward to in round two? I'm going to take everyone's answer. Sorry. Uh, Melbourne and North, um, it's at the G. It's exciting. I And I, I know that we should be focusing on the play, but I just think that this season, something that's really going to change the entire league is that, the AFL are really open to moving the games or having the games at these big venues. And that's just so exciting. And it means that we tap into um, that demographic of people that might just be wandering around Richmond looking for something to do and they just love sport and they just want to get involved. So I think that we're tapping into people that possibly haven't supported the sport before. Um, it, it Even if we don't fill the stadiums, which we know we're not, um, it just it leaves it open to being part of that, particularly it's somewhere like the MCG. It's in that main sporting hub, so it's really exciting. But down to the play, um, I think North and Melbourne. It's gonna that's gonna be really exciting. I think um, Melbourne will win would be my prediction, but um, North were fantastic, and uh, they've North have lost some pretty significant players. Um, Caitlin Ashmore's gone to the Hawks and, and and she played really well for the Hawks. So I know they'll be missing her, but I think um, I think they probably will um, bring it down to the wire and I think it will be a really exciting game. So that would be my pick for what we're looking forward to. I think we all are agreeing on that. Um, Sarah, it will be interesting to see how the, I guess the doubleheader plays out because five plus hours is a long time in a in a stadium. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how many AFLW fans, especially North ones, go along um, with the finals, AFL men's finals ticket pricing and those sorts of things. But hopefully, as you say, we see a good turnout early. Um, the players get the audience they deserve. And those games are always spicy. I feel like North, North Melbourne and Melbourne always come down to the wire. There's always some umpiring decisions that somebody isn't happy with. Like there's always a bit of spark and feistiness to it. But on that note, I reckon Essendon and Carlton will be a fun one. Um, it's the best performing probably expansion team of the weekend. 
up against who were a team that will be their rivals in years to come. I mean, it's it's just history. It's, these clubs don't like each other. Carlton coming off a disappointing loss, Essendon coming off a, a pretty impressive win, and it's the the Maddie for Sparkers and Georgia G up against their old team. A uh, bit of fun there as well. So. I reckon that'll be a, a sneaky contender to be a bit of fun. And it'll be interesting to see whether Essendon go on with what they did in round one or get maybe a bit of a wake-up call, having played a, a established team for the first time. So I'm pretty excited excited, sorry, to see how that one plays out. Marissa, what's your pick of the uh, rest, the best of the rest? Well, I was going to say option one was Dees Roos and my backup option was Essendon Carlton. <laughs> so... Good stuff. I will say though, Essendon Carlton. Even if the game isn't particularly good, though, I don't. I think it will be a fiercely contested one. Uh, it's going to be the nuffiest game of the round because I just feel like because uh, yeah. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, if I'm there as well, it's a shocking oh, situation God, for the, the pod. pair of you decked out in your respective uh, team colours. I would, I would, love to see I would it. never. I would never if I'm working, Marissa. But of course, of course. But uh, uh, I just knowing otherwise. what I know of both Carlton and Essendon fans, I just feel like there's going to be a lot of enough craft on mm. display down in Port Melbourne. Um, I did write down the Hawks and the Saints simply because I think it will be an interesting barometer for where those two actually mm. are at. So if the Saints mm. can back it up once again against an expansion side, if Hawthorne can maybe push a little bit further and get that win, I think it will be interesting. But there's lots of interesting clashes that obviously we cannot wait to watch and we'll talk about next week. Obviously, any AFLW content, you can find it on espn.com.au. Get around the ESPN footy tips. It is lots of fun to hang over your mates if you've tipped better than them. I know my sister and I have been doing that and I tipped better than her this first round, so feeling really good about myself. Are you both in the tips? You're on the tips? I am. I'm on the tips. I think I you've done better than me, Marissa, I don't, which is I th- okay. <laughs> I think there's room to bounce back. I think I tipped. Oh, I don't know if I tipped Geelong or Richmond. Either way, I think I got a couple wrong. Mm. So anyway, Sarah, we go on. It's a long season. You're tipping? How are you feeling? Yeah, my tipping, uh, um, I was feeling really confident with my tips, but, um, yeah, no, I haven't done as well as I thought I would. But I don't feel like AFLW, I ever do as well as I think I will because there's so much unpredictability. And as soon as everyone stops doing their ACLs, maybe we can um, we can hang our hats on our tips. But at the moment, it's too hard. Honestly, no ACLs, better tipping, make it happen universe. I think it's the best way to go. But like I said, so much more to look forward to in round two and we cannot wait to tell you all about it next week. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you then. Listen to all the latest episodes by subscribing to the ESPN Footy Pod wherever you get your podcasts.